What is going on, everybody? Greg Ehrenberg here from Stochastic, and I'm trying out a new piece of MMA content, so I'll be curious to see what your guys' input is on this, and any questions or comments you have for me below in the comment section, it'll definitely be appreciated, and if you have any questions at all about the slate, let me know below in the comment section. I will check back and answer those, because I know this is a little bit different than the live show that we normally do, but a little bit of a mix-up. I wanted to make sure that I had this out a little bit in advance and give you guys some time to watch it and then ask any questions that you have. And then also, if you're in our Discord channel, you guys know you can hit me up whenever. So as you guys come in here, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out to Prize Picks, who is sponsoring this show. And if you guys haven't signed up at Prize Picks yet, do so using the link we have below, because that is going to get you up to a $100 bonus on your first deposit. And when you sign up using our link, you get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. So that's access to all of the tools we have for MMA as well as every other DFS sport out there. So for MMA, you're going to get projections, ownership projections, our top fighters tool, my rankings, also rankings from uh, from Osimo himself, Alex Baker, Steve Buzzard. So we have our fighter rankings and then also our top fighters tool, which is you know based on ownership projections and which fighters have best leverage and also optimal odds, odds, landed, uh, odds to score over 100 fantasy points. So a lot of useful stuff there. But then also our package, when you get a platinum package, it's going to get access to NBA, MLB starting soon. All of that is included. So here's what I'm going to walk through on this show. I'm going to go over some of my favorite DFS plays. I'm going to go over some of my favorite prize picks options. And then I'm going to have a bet for you guys at the end. And then, like I said, also, any additional comments, let me know below in the comment section. I'm going to be checking those out later on today and then also throughout Saturday, see what you guys think. So also, in terms of what I'm going to be sharing on the screen here, that's a little bit too big. Here we go. So I've got some stats up here. This is generally what I use to break down MMA fights. Just stats, UFC, stats.com. Uh, used to be fight metric, but was bought by the UFC and really informs a lot of the decisions I make, especially because me being a more analytical person. And I have uh, this screen up as well because this means you can't see my tabs, right? You can't see my search history. You don't know what's going on on my computer, which is important because one time, not that long ago, somebody won a DFS contest. And he screenshotted his DraftKings lineups for me, and he had a bunch of other porn tabs open. Not going to happen to me. I'm too sharp for that. We've got precautions in play. Let's talk about the uh, DFS slate. Starting with my favorite payup option for Saturday, and this isn't going to come as a surprise to anybody. I'm going with Bo Nickel, and I, I know he's going to be really popular. We actually have him projected to be the second most popular fighter on the slate behind Valentina Shevchenko right now in our ownership projections. We've got them fairly close, both of them a little bit over 40% owned. Uh, but I don't usually target fighters that are all the way up at 9,600. It's difficult for fighters that are that expensive to land in an optimal lineup, but I think Bo Nickel's worth it. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at some of his metrics here. And I think it's going to show you guys why it's worth paying up for Bo Nickel. And sure. He only has three fights. He's extremely green professionally. And what we've seen from him in the UFC has only been on the contender series. So technically this is his UFC debut and he smashed everybody he fought on the contender series. So on one hand, people are going to be saying, yes, but it's only contender series. He fought low-level competition. Yeah, but that's what Jamie Pickett is, because Jamie Pickett has also fought on the contender series. And here's how that went for him. He fought Charles Bird on the contender series, lost by first-round submission. He fought Punahaley Soriano in the contender series, lost the unanimous decision, where he was taken down three times. Now look at some of the stats for Punahaley Soriano in the UFC. He took down Jamie Pickett three times in the contender series, and that is more takedowns than he had in the rest of his career combined. So uh, I don't think Jamie Pickett is actually all that different of competition relative to what Bo Nickel faced on the contender series. 
And if you look at the takedown defense here, 65% for Jamie Pickett, I think that Bo Nickel is going to be able to win this fight however he wants. But the easiest path to victory is going to be the takedowns. And so far, what we've seen out of Bo Nickel, he's very aggressive looking for the takedowns. And once again, it's small sample size. So these numbers are going to be extremely skewed. But I mean, these stats on Bo Nickel are the most ridiculous things you will ever see. Bo Nickel has uh, absorbed zero strikes so far in the fights that we've seen him in. Uh, landing 3.68, but then look at how aggressive he's been looking for his takedowns. And once again, these are short fights, so it's not that we could expect him to land 23 takedowns typically per 15 minutes, but I think it's a pretty good indication that he's going to be aggressive. He's going to look to wrestle, where he's going to have a massive advantage over Jamie Pickett. Bo Nickel may be the best wrestler that we have ever seen in the UFC, and I think he win this fight however he wants, and I expect him to put up a massive DFS score in a victory. So we're all picking Bo Nickel to win, but then the question beyond that becomes, is he worth his salary? The answer is yes. I'm still willing to pay up for him. Is he worth his ownership? The answer is also yes to me. I'm expecting to be overweight to the field on him. And then also, in addition to that, is just is the opportunity cost, like this, this is correlated to the salary, is the opportunity of his cost uh, of his cost also worthwhile? To me, the answer is yes. So I'm going to be overweight to Bo Nickel. He's my priority as far as the expensive fighters go. Now, I have to talk about some of the cheap fighters on this slate, and that's where this, this card is going to get really sketchy because there's so many big favorites that we have on the card that I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, who are the cheap fighters that I think, one, have a reasonable path to victory, and then two, if they win, will they score well? And there's a couple of them that I've identified here because, you know, beyond Bo Nickel, we still have Valentina Shevchenko up in the high range. We got fighters like Shavkat Rachmanov. So, so many fighters that I think if they win on that high end of the pricing range, could score extremely well. So who are we going to save salary with? I've got a couple of fighters for you, starting with Jalen Turner, who if he wins, I think should score extremely well in this matchup. So one thing I noticed when I was re-watching uh, Matush Gamrot's fights is he's a lot chinnier than I remember just off the top of my head. And then I went back and looked at some of his stats too, and he gets knocked down and hurt a lot. And Jalen Turner is going to have a seven-inch reach advantage in this fight, but look at some of the recent outings from Matush Gamrat. He was knocked down by Benil Dariush. He was knocked down by Armin Sarukian, who was not the best striker in the world. And then also in his UFC debut, he was knocked down by Guram Kutetaladze. So I think that there's a lot more potential for Jalen Turner to hurt Gamrat on the feet than a lot of people realize. Now, if Gamrat is able to get the fight to the ground, then I think there's a pretty good chance he's able to dominate Turner in that department. But Turner's extremely dangerous. And like I said, the reach advantage here... Jalen Turner, 77-inch reach at the lightweight division. That's crazy length. I don't think there's any fighter who's longer than him in this entire division. He's also a young, developing fighter. Jalen Turner has hurt a lot of people on the feet. He's earned a lot of early finishes. You look at a couple fights ago, he was able to knock out Jamie Malarkey, who's super durable. He was able to hurt Brad Riddell pretty much instantly in his last fight. And I know that he wasn't credited with a knockdown, but it was like the first strike that landed for Turner. It wobbled Brad Riddell, and then he was able to get on his neck and finish him with a guillotine. So uh, a lot of knockdowns here. And then other ones, lower competition. Like, I'm not going to put too much weight into a fight against, like, Brock Weaver, where he knocked him down twice. But Jamie Larkey and Brad Riddell, those are both pretty good opponents that we saw Turner hurt on the feet. I think he's alive to do that against Matush Gamrod in this fight. So Jalen Turner, I think he's a live underdog with big scoring potential if he ends up winning. Now let's go to another risky underdog who I think if he wins – should score well, and every second of the fight is going to scare the living shit out of me because I kind of like Derek Brunson a little bit going up against Drakus Duplessis, and 
A lot of this has to do because we just haven't really seen Duplessis ground game tested. But one thing that is a massive red flag for me is he was taken down by Darren Till in his last fight. And if you guys saw how bad Darren Till's ground game looked in that spot, when Duplessis shot for his own takedowns, Darren Till had zero takedown defense in that spot. So the idea that Till was able to land a takedown at one point against Duplessis kind of makes me wonder what happens if an actual competent wrestler like Derek Brunson is able to get his hands on Duplessis. I think there's a lot of opportunity here for Brunson to land takedowns, hold a lot of top control, and grind out a victory. And Duplessis, I expect, would be able to get up. But then I think Brunson is just going to be able to rinse and repeat takedowns potentially. Now, the risk in this fight is that at any moment, we could see Jalen, we could see Derek Brunson get knocked out because he is extremely chinny and Duplessis has big power. But I do think that Brunson is the overall better fighter. I think he's the better minute winner. Just the question becomes, will his chin hold up? And to that, I say maybe. But once again, there are just not that many underdogs that I feel confident about. And I do see a path to victory for Derek Brunson, who's always been a pretty aggressive and capable wrestler. If you look at Derek Brunson, you know, he lands 3.18 takedowns per 15 minutes and uh, sorry, 3.23 takedowns per third, per 15 minutes. I was looking at Duplessis numbers on the other side and Duplessis. One other thing that I'll mention is technically he's a 50% takedown defense. I actually rewatching the Brad Tavares fight. I thought Tavares took him down in the first round. If that was credited, this would actually be a 33% takedown defense for Duplessis. So uh, Brunson, the most likely outcome is probably it gets knocked out, but in DFS, I'm going to be overweight to the field on him. We have him projected for barely over 10% ownership. And I think that makes for a good contrarian play. And once again, somebody who's cheap and gives me the salary savings to pay up for, for the likes of Bo Nickel, for the likes of Valentina Shevchenko, who are very safe targets for this weekend. So those are the core plays for me in DFS for large field tournaments. Some options I have. If you guys have any other questions, let me know below in the comment section. I will be answering those uh, throughout later on the day and then throughout Saturday as well. But let's move on over to prize picks. And some of this could help us inform some DFS decisions as well, because I've identified a couple of prize picks props that I like a good amount and uh, two takedown props, actually. And I haven't talked much about the main event here, mostly because I don't know anybody could have a really strong take on John Jones against Cyril Gaon, just from a standpoint of John Jones is fighting at a weight class we've never seen him at before. He hasn't fought in three years. It's a totally different body composition for him. Presumably, he's not taking steroids anymore. So I don't know what to expect from this fight. And Ciro Ghosn on the other side, he looked fairly shitty in his fight against, against Francis Ngannou, if we're being honest. The first couple of rounds, he looked good on the feet. But part of that also because Ngannou was compromised. He was only fighting on one leg. And then once we saw Ngannou shoot for takedowns, like Ciro Ghosn went down fairly easily. So that is a path to victory for John Jones. But for that reason... His over-under for takedowns is three over on prize picks. Here's why I think that is a massive number. Look at the career numbers for John Jones and why I think it's unlikely for him to get to four takedowns. He has not had four takedowns in a fight since January 31st of 2009 against Stefan Bonner. Stefan Bonner, who's dead now. So John Jones only has one fight in his entire career with over three takedowns. And even though I don't know what to expect from this fight, like it just seems unlikely to me that John Jones is going to be landing four or five takedowns just based on the entire rest of his career average. Something else, too, about as poor as Ciro Gan looked on the ground in his last fight against Francis Ngannou, you know, particularly in the fifth round where he tried to pull for an ankle lock and gave up top position. If he tries to pull any of that against John Jones or if this gets to the ground, I think it might be one takedown, and John Jones could potentially submit Ciro Gan. I think he's going to have massive advantages there. 
So that's another reason to think that a three takedown is just a pretty high number for John Jones because he's pretty live to submit Cyril Gaon anytime this fight does hit the mat. So John Jones under three takedowns. I don't know what we're going to be getting out of the main event from a DFS perspective. I'm going to target both sides of it. Because I just don't know how anybody, considering all the questions surrounding John Jones, the layoff, his age, and the fact that he didn't look all that great in his previous two fights that we saw him in. I mean, the fight against Dominic Reyes, I scored that, I scored that fight 48-47 for Reyes. I thought Reyes won the third, the second, and the first round. First and second were clearly for Reyes, in my opinion. Third round was kind of more of a swing round. Four and five were clearly for John Jones. But we've seen what Dominic Reyes has looked like since then. And then also, John Jones looked terrible in the Tiago Santos fight. So... With that in mind, I, I think this main event could go either way. I, I think anybody playing multiple lineups in DFS should be targeting both sides of that event. Now, let's talk about another prize picks prop that I like quite a bit. That is Tabitha Ricci for over two and a half takedowns. So Ricci is going to be taking on Juliana Pena, who is next to no takedown defense. If we look at her stats here, 40% takedown defense for Jessica Penne. Now you're going to see a 0% takedown defense on Tabitha Ricci, but that's because nobody's ever shot a takedown on Ricci. If you look at some of the numbers for Ricci too, in her last couple of fights, she has been very, oh, actually my bad. She did get taken down and finished by a man in Firo, but that's the only time we've seen Ricci lose in her entire career. And she has never been, uh, she's never been submitted before either, which is why I don't think she's going to be afraid of the ground game of Jessica Penne. And Jessica Panay doesn't defend takedowns because she likes the fights to be, to be on the mat because she doesn't have much of a striking game. So what I think is going to happen most likely in this fight is we're going to see Ricci get takedowns whenever she wants. And I think she should be able to hold top position because if you look at her last couple of fights, five takedowns against Oliveira, five takedowns against Poliana Viana, but also look at the control time she had. Nine minutes and 31 seconds against Viana. And then against uh, Oliveira, I believe it was six and a half minutes. Yeah, six minutes, 38 seconds of ground control time. So I think we should be able to see Ricci get takedowns at will. And I don't think this is going to be a spot where Penne is going to be able to submit Ricci. Ricci has a good ground game. Like I said, she's never been submitted in her entire career. She only has one loss, and it was that finish against Manon Ferro. But Ferro's a really legit prospect. I think she's going to challenge for a title at some point. There's no shame in that loss to her. And this is... Uh, I think a fairly easy and good matchup on paper for Tabitha Ricci. I like her for over two and a half takedowns. Like I said, five takedowns landed in each of her last two fights. Good for 10 total. So that's what I've got for you guys on prize picks. And don't forget that if you sign up at prize picks using the link we have below, you're going to get up to $100 bonus on your first deposit and one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Now let's move on to a bet that I like for this card. And... I'm looking at Cody Garbrandt, uh, minus 175. This is such a step down in competition for Cody Garbrandt. And, you know, it's been a really tough go for him. I think that the time off is going to do Garbrandt really well because we know how chinny he is. He gets hurt in so many of his fights, but now he's taken more than a year off. I think that should help him recover a little bit. But what should also help him is that look at the opponents that Cody Garbrandt has fought. Kaikara France, Rob Font. Sun Sao, Pedro Munoz, uh, TJ Dillashaw. Before that, TJ Dillashaw again. Before that, he was fighting a prime version of Dominic Cruz. So these are really, really difficult opponents that Cody Garbrandt has fought. So his metrics, especially because of some of his recent poor outings, don't look great. He's a negative striking differential. He doesn't really throw at a very high clip either. 3.16 significant strikes landed per minute, absorbs 4.22. But on the flip side, 
Jones has fought really low-level competition, also hasn't had a ton of success, and his metrics look even worse than Cody Garbrandt's against way lesser competition. So Jones lands 2.33 significant strikes per minute, so well under Cody Garbrandt's mark. And then in terms of absorbing strikes, he absorbs 4.96 significant strikes per minute, which is significantly higher than what we see out of Cody Garbrandt. And then you look at some of the, the striking defense. Garbrandt, who's not known for his shinner defense, still does defend strikes at a 60% clip, whereas Jones only defends 40% of the significant strikes thrown his way. So I'm looking at this matchup for Cody Garbrandt, and I just think the minus 175 line is not accurate. I think Garbrandt should be a way bigger favorite. I understand all the durability concerns and how often we've seen Garbrandt hurt recently, but I do not think that Jones is the man to put him away in the same way that we saw Kaikara France or, or TJ Dillashaw do. So I think this is a good bounce back spot for Cody Garbrandt. By the way, if he loses this, it's more or less probably the end of his UFC career. I think we're going to see a good version of Cody Garbrandt. I think he's going to be refreshed from the time off. I'm betting him minus 175 to win. And if you guys want more bets for myself, we do have a premium betting discord. There's going to be a link below. If you sign up using that link, you get 50% off the first week that you join. So that's going to do it for me here, guys. Broke down the card with some of my favorite spots to target on the entire slate across betting, prize picks, and DFS. I'm sure you guys have more questions, whether you're in Discord or just watching on YouTube. Leave a comment below. I'm going to be answering all those questions throughout the day Saturday. I hope you guys enjoy the card. I'm really looking forward to the return of John Jones. Good luck on Saturday.